They say all good things must come to an end. And for the Raw, well, they finally suffered their first loss in 2020. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. This weekend for Adam is Alex from the Queensland Socceroos fan. Alex, welcome. Hey, James, how are we? Good. I, I'm no speak. Yeah, I very nearly called you Adam again, just purely out of habit. Most... Would you be surprised I get that a lot? Actually, yes, I would be surprised. <laughs> Scott, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? Alex, good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you as well, Scott. Yes, alright, so we've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got Raw, NPL, national teams, stadiums, and probably something else that we're going to think of in about 45 minutes so let's get right into it uh first of all points of contact email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com uh send in any comments questions discussion points especially on the uh, stadium topic that we're going to get to pretty soon uh facebook we are there as the raw review we're still trying to change that to brisbane football review but you know working on that twitter at bne football and on both of those accounts you can find live coverage of a whole lot of football, mostly Brisbane Roar and NPL Queensland related. And you're listening to this podcast on Wooshka, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, or possibly the replay on Football Nation Radio. So I think that's everything. And you really uh, just need to go back to saying all good podcasting platforms. Yeah, I was going to say, you've done quite well remembering all those, James, to be honest. Uh, I, I do what I can. All right. Friday night, Sydney FC, Brisbane Roar. Well... It was a 1-0 loss for the Raw, but it was better than the 5-1 defeat they had there earlier in the year. And let's get things started with audio from the manager, Robbie Fowler. Yeah, look, I thought we were brilliant tonight. Um, you know, coming to this place, we knew it was going to be tough. Um, they're obviously a, a, a great team. I mean, Steve's gone playing really well. Um, but, you know, full credit to our lads. We've, um, I think we've been very good tonight. Maybe a little bit unlucky with decision. Um, I think the clarification with the uh, the penalty, you know, arms away from the body, it's for me he's defending. He's not in a, it's not in an unnatural position. Um, so I think we need clarity on that. Um, but maybe the first half with the ball crossed the line. I don't know. Um, it could have been given. But um, yeah, even even with ten men, we, we took it to the Sydney, uh, and perhaps a little bit unfortunate that we never got a little bit more out of the game. All right. So that was Raw Manager Robbie Fowler there, and I'm going to go right off the bat. I both agree and disagree with his initial statement, saying that, you know, he thought that they were good. What about you, Scott? I thought, it, well, given on the show last week, we all thought if they can just do better than they did last time down Sydney, that'll be a win. But I think they were quite good in the game. I thought they had good moments in the game. They had a couple of really great chances. They were 
contained Sydney for a lot of the game and to go down there and put in that sort of performance was quite impressive, albeit a disappointment to not get a result out of it because the way they played and some of the chances they had, they could have got something out of it. I think particularly the J.O.C. chance in the first half when the long counter-attack kicked off by Jamie Young. That was a fantastic chance. If that does go in, it's a very different game to get that first goal. Yeah, 100%. I... Um I, I must say I've been rather impressed with the last sort of five to six weeks with what Fowler's um, f- seems to be getting his message across. Um, particularly the things I noted in that game were that the, the lads were really compact. He's, he's got yep. them defensively sound, which I think he had from fairly early on when he took over. But now there seems to be a little bit more of a cutting edge. I still think there's um, something missing in attack for the Raw. I don't know if you gents agree with that. I'd agree or? with that. I agree too. I think the big thing for me is it do, is sort of a continuation of what we're learning about the Raw over the space of the past month or so, where like they're scrappy, they're battling, they don't give up, you know, and they went they went toe to toe with Sydney for ninety minutes, and in the end, it was a bit of a well, let's call it what it was a fortunate decision going their way, mm. going Sydney's way yeah. to get them over the line. Now, I think overall, like they. They gave us reason for optimism, but as you said, Alex, there's still plenty of room for improvement. Yeah, definitely. I And I think for me, when I watch the Raw, a lot of it comes from a lack of creativity in midfield. Um, for me, I'd like to see a little bit more of um, Akbari in there. Uh, someone... Uh, that's And I think that's probably coming back to the issue where they're very compact. They're playing five at the back. Well, you know, three centre-backs, wing-backs who do you drop then to bring Akbari in to maybe play in that number 10 role to give that creativity to the front third? It's an interesting one because Joe O'Shea is meant to be the creative player for the Raw and he was slightly deeper to make room for Brad Inman who's a number 10 in the mould of a goal-scoring number 10, mm. not a creative one, so that's quite difficult. I do like the idea of Akbari in there, but I also really like the way Jacob Pepper's playing at the moment. I think he was a, a big difference in the improved performance against Sydney at the weekend because he was a very solid defensive midfield player. We've obviously seen him play in the back line a lot in years past. But he came as a midfielder and he did quite well. And I think he's really won the trust of Robbie Fowler. And we'll probably get to some of the outs in a minute, but on next segment, sorry. But I think the um, improvement in um, Jacob Pepper's performance probably allows for the Stefan Mork to leave in terms of he's really made that holding midfield spot his own now. And he did really well at the weekend on Friday night, sorry, in cl- helping close down the Sydney SC attacking midfields because they weren't as dominant and as incisive as we've seen against a lot of other teams this year, including the Raw back in round eight, I think it was, when they had a comfortable comfortable win. On that, though, they were missing Alex Baumiohan, who yeah. was the chief destroyer of the Raw yeah. a little mm. while, like when they met back Anthony in Anthony Caceres is no slouch, so he's a top player in his own right, and by league standards. He's sta- and he's certainly starting to hit his straps, I think, Caceres, yeah. uh, at the moment with um, with Sydney, and, and maybe Baumiohan's uh, absence might sort of give him a little prod to say, hey, mate, you got a chance now, you get in there and and rip in, you know? Yeah, definitely. And on what you were saying about Jacob Pepper as well, it is amazing just, you know, considering the fact that he copped in his first season with the Raw, how much he actually is able to just keep finding a way back into the team one way or another and actually hold on to his spot. Like, whether it's through injuries or, in this case, the fact that he's he's got a job and he's doing it, I would say, fairly well, it's a good sign for him as well. Well, I just can't get past the fact that he just keeps finding a way to contribute. Definitely, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you, James. Um, what springs to mind, and it's a bit left field, but the uh, song by Chumbawamba, um, I Get Knocked Down, 
Uh, yeah. That just that just symbolises uh, Jacob Pepper for me. Um, he just he keeps getting you know cast aside, and he just finds a way back. I think you summed it up perfectly, James. Well, that's it. And like, look, I don't want to put too much of a rose-coloured glow on this because at the end of the day, it was still a loss. Sure, their first one of 2020, but as it like it had its good and bad moments, and I just keep coming back to the fact that. Like, you kind of feel like if they have to go and play Sydney again in a in a possible finals match, you at least know that they're going to be in with a chance of making it competitive and not just rolling over the you know, well, the way Victory did in that semi final last year. Was it six one? Yeah, it was six yeah. or six one, something like that. Yeah. But this is the second time the Royal have gone to Sydney this year out of three and put in a really good performance. Think back mm. to the FFA Cup where they probably shocked Sydney a fair bit in terms of what they were gonna do in terms of style of play. I know Sydney just got back from like China where they played PSG, so so that was obviously difficult for them, but that's the second time the Roar have gone down there this season and, and done quite well. And I think if they do happen to meet in the finals, a long way to go, but they've got a blueprint now of the way that they can play to cause Sydney problems. Which I think it gives them at least a, a fighter's chance in that potential finals game. Yes, definitely. All right, well, we need to get on to the penalty incident because it we did really change have the... to. Yeah, we do, we do because it was probably the lead story of the game and one that we do... We probably should have actually led the segment with, but... That's more on me than anything else. Are we sure it hit his hand? Because I'm still yet to see a clear and definitive replay that said, like, it hit his arm. It looked like it was kind of armpit. Maybe well, it was a deflection. Uh, uh, armpits are a, a, a controversial topic, aren't they, really? I mean, if you look at uh, the Premier League, of course. I'd I, rather I not at the moment. Uh, Just looking at the form lines. Yeah, Didn't look- that get shut down in about November? <laughs> shows it and and why VAR didn't step in to say that it wasn't a, wasn't not a no that it not, okay I think I know yeah, where you're going yeah. with this I'll bail you out thank you it, it wasn't clear and obvious which yes. to me says they couldn't overturn the ruling mm. on the pitch and that's where like it was a case of Chris Spieth officiating by the letter of the law where maybe a little bit of common sense would have come in handy there because I'm not like uh, if it did hit his hand, it sure looked like it deflected off his rib cage or hip or something there. And again, by the letter of the law, I think it's a penalty. I'm not sure it would have been necessarily. Uh, I'm not sure it probably could have. Uh, Do you mean the yellow card at the yes. end of it? Yeah. I'm. I'm sure that Chris Beef probably could have used a little bit of common sense there and said, "Okay, look. Yes, it's a yellow card, but it's a harsh one and." I, I'm happy to just let it, the penalty be the sufficient punishment for that. I think that would have been appropriate, but I do think that what you said is accurate. To the letter of the law, it is a correct decision. Look, he, he was making himself unnaturally bigger by having his arms out a little bit. And I know it probably did hit his rib or something as well on the way through, but it's like, remember Harry Keelan in the World Cup in 2010? He made himself naturally bigger by that that action, and that's why he got the... The penalty, I think he got a straight red that day, but that's a different change of rule. So yeah. I can understand why it was given that way, and that's why VAR did not overturn it. And I think that if Chris B did not give it, the VAR would have said, hang on a minute, you've missed this. That's a penalty. So I think I think it was going to be that decision either way. I think it's harsh to give him the second yellow card, but that, look, that's just the letter of the law. And I think his first yellow card was a bit of a silly one on his behalf, a needless challenge just before halftime, which if you don't make that decision, that rash challenge... You're only on a yellow card now, and you've still got 10 men. So I do think 
it's technically correct, albeit a very disappointing from a Brisbane perspective because to that point in the game, they were at least level with Sydney in terms of what they were offering. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you're probably right, Scott, because um, you get that first yellow card, you put yourself in that situation where if you, you throw yourself into a challenge you know, on a counter-attack or something like that, you, you're going to risk going off, and, and that's certainly been the case there for Scott Neville. Um, and, you know, now it leaves uh, Raw a man short for this week, so... Um, not ideal, but um, controversial. Yeah. May yes, but um, we've had quite a few of them this season, haven't we? So. We have. He'll be quite a big miss actor because he's been a real unsung hero of that side in terms of versatility, playing multiple roles, and being a really good solid defender. So he'll be a quite a big miss on yeah. Saturday afternoon and against Adelaide United, especially since switching to central defence, which I was a bit unsure about when he first um, stepped into that uh, role, but. Uh, he certainly made a, a real fist of it and, and probably, if anything, has become somewhat of a little bit of a leader. I think um, a couple of weeks back, maybe it was against Wellington or the week before. When Tom Alder was suspended. Yeah, and he, he gave someone an absolute spray. Um, or it might have even been the Sydney game, actually. I can't remember. It was a goal line clearance he made and he, he gave the, the boys a real spray and I was like, I like that. Like, I can't can't recall which game it was, though. Apologies. But- um, I feel like I might have seen that at Suncorp Stadium. So yeah, that, I think it was is, Wellington. That would be Wellington or... I can't City? remember what the other game City. was. Melbourne City, yeah. I think it might have been Wellington, just yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah. All right. Um, I, the reason I went silent there for a second, I know everyone was worried about me. I was just... I wanted to remember one thing that um, we were talking about on Friday during the game, and that was the substitutions. I didn't get the decision to replace Scott Neville with another defender when you're down 1-0 there. Yeah, it seems to be an odd one, because you still had four defenders on the field, which you could have played a conventional back four, and then had a three or four-man midfield, and then have one player up front. It's particularly odd, because Dylan Wenzel Hawes, you'd think, would be a really good outlet in that moment. If Sydney mm-hmm. are going to dominate the game, you'd have him making smart runs in mind. I know you're going you're to keep Scott McDonald on for what he can do, but Dylan Wenzel Hawes would have been able to make a lot of smart runs. And I do think that was... Maybe a bit of a mistake from Robbie Fowler in that sense because he brought Aaron Amadi Holloway on later on and he made a couple of runs in behind when he first came on and that's as good a player as Amadi Holloway is. That's not his game. He's not the sort of striker who's going to make those runs in behind. So maybe that was a, a slight mistake from Robbie Fowler but look, it was a really good performance over the board. It's a nitpicking thing, James, which we were talking about on Friday but it, I probably would have kept Wenzel Halls on in that moment and just stuck with the 10 players on the field as it, as it was and just reshape things a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I suppose that's the, the big question I still have about how Fowl is managing this team is, was he going for damage limitation? And if he had the confidence to really, like, in the side to uh, pull that one back without leaving themselves too exposed at the back, could that's they have maybe like left it as it was yeah. and gone, all right, screw it, we're going for this game? Well, they still did go for it by the end. Well, they had a couple of amazing chances by the end. I think what Marty Holloway had the shot went just over the bar. Jacob Pepper's shot went just wide right at the death. So they had a couple of really good chances by the end. And actually, Sydney OC by the end of the game, they were sitting back and looking quite nervous about hanging on to a 1-0 lead at home, which, again, albeit not a great result, is a feather in the cap of Brisbane in this game because if you can push Sydney back so far like that when they've got a man advantage, that's a, that's a really good sign. And look, plenty of teams have gone to Sydney and cop far worse defeats than Brisbane did last night, last week. So I think it's a, there's plenty of positives to take out of it, even if the... The unbeaten streak to start the decade is is ended, and we have to retire that fantastic joke we've been running for the last month. Yeah, I wasn't 
I was hoping that I wouldn't have to uh, retire the tried and true joke. Instead, I'll have to try and think up something a little bit more creative. We're going to take a break and come back with the new segment. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back soon. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Alex filling in for Adam uh, this afternoon. And, well, we've got quite a lot uh, to cover in our new segment, so let's get right on to it, starting with the closure of the A-League transfer window. Uh, so major departures from the Raw, Stefan Mork to Adelaide, Connor O'Toole and Roy O'Donovan to Newcastle. Well, good news is that does apparently free up quite a bit of cap space. It does, um... But uh, is there any quality free agents out there? I don't really know. I think Scott might have a little bit of a. You, you might get that cue like I a might professional. Get, <laughs> I might get that. So I mean, I do think the two players they brought in were quite good, and I just think they, free, they um, freed up cap space probably more for next season with O'Donovan's deal being off the books now, and mm-hmm. Stefan Morks was backdated, so that was going to get backloaded. Bit, backloaded, sorry, yeah. which is going to make it that would have made that more like more filling in the cap for that point. But I do think that there is a possibility they can still bring somebody in. I know the mutual termination window is officially closed, but they can bring free agents in. And look, I think Dario Vizic is one people have been keeping an eye on because he got released from like, India, and but it was before the end of the window, so he can still sign. But I think you're referring to Keesung Young, Alex. Yes, I am. Yes, believe it or not. The Brisbane boy? Yes, the, yes. went to John Paul College down in Logan. So I think the Raw tried to sign him in their initial year and he thought career was a better choice, which I think has worked out quite well for him given he's gone on to... To represent the national team for Korea, playing for Celtic and Newcastle, and I think Swansea yeah, as well. Yeah, so he's done quite definitely. well for himself. But I seem to remember him. He's a free agent a... now, so maybe we can we should be pumping up the possibility of him coming back to Brisbane. I seem mm. to remember him playing in a Swansea win over Manchester United early. Why are you got to bring this up? Well, Why are you got to do this to me? Well, remember last week when you brought up another competition that's come to a, come to its conclusion in the last week? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you enjoy not participating in that on Monday? It was the most relaxing Monday I've had in a very long time. <laughs> anyway, back to the back to the transfer. So in Corey Brown and out Scott McDonald. They're both in. Not both in, not yes, out. and out uh, Conor O'Toole, Stephen Morgan, Roy Donovan. It does seem like that was pretty much like the idea of uh, Robbie Fowler going. All right, we know these guys aren't going to necessarily have a role in the squad, and he did offload players at least in two positions that they were a little bit heavy on. And it seemed like, in all honesty. If you gave me the trade of Scott McDonald for what Roy O'Donovan has been for the Raw to this point, I'm happy to take that. Like, I'm not sure it will necessarily be a considerable upgrade, but it's certainly a step in the right direction in my mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me, um, when I've looked at how Raw have played when Roy O'Donovan's been in the team, it's looked a little disjointed, and I think that might be more so a function of how... Roy maybe was unable to settle in or he wasn't able to carry out what uh, Robbie wanted from him. You know, I think I it's guess, more the latter, given the yeah. quotes that came out last week about if you can hold the ball up and score goals, I can make it work with you in the side. And Roy O'Donovan dropped out of the side. And I I'll let people mm. guess which one of the two things it was that he wasn't able to do. Yeah. Well, that's, but I do think with the addition of Mers Maratovic from the youth team, there was an, over, an overloading of strikers. Yeah. Mm. I think midfield is still an area where they might be slightly short on numbers, but yeah, again, Stefan Walker dropped out of the picture as well, so it's not like he was in the side. So I, they might be able to replace him, they might not, but at the moment, as long as they don't get too many injuries in midfield, it should be fine. Yeah, fair enough. 
All right. Um, well, that's the conclusion of the Raw's transfer business for this season, to the best of our knowledge, anyway. There may still be some some movements coming around with the uh, youth team and everything. But uh, well, there is one. Emlyn Walsmore's gone from the Raw youth to Gold Coast Knights, so there's one. Thank you. I was trying to remember who'd moved to Gold Coast Knights. <laughs> we'll get on to that in our NPL uh, round one preview coming up in segment three. But uh, let's take a quick detour through the national teams. All your are through to Tokyo 2020. Like, did we cover that last week? Or? In a little bit of detail, I thought Alex would like to talk about it. Given, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, given his connections the... with the Queensland Socceroos yes, Federation. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um, look, uh, must uh, give credit to Graham Arnold. He did a wonderful job. Um, considering the fact that, um, and I'll try not to rant and rave here about the lack of um, opportunity for the for the youth players that, that make up uh, that squad, of course, Oli Roos, under 23s. Um, uh, for me, the main uh, the, the players that really stood out for me were P- Piscopo, uh, D'Agostino, of course, um, ex-Raw boy, of course, uh, Bacchus as well. I thought he was really wonderful in midfield, yep. um, you know, covered up uh, in front of the back four, but also distributed yep. the ball really well. And um, Tom Glover in goals. I thought he was... Um, I th- I thought he was uh, quite good. Well, it's amazing how good Tom Glover looked when he actually left the Central Coast Mariners. <laughs> I was just going to say, we're giving credit to Graham. I prefer to give credit to the Aurora Academy, which produced the guy who's got the Australian Olympics for the first time in 12 years in D'Agostino. And I prefer to give credit to him mm. than Graham Arnold. But yeah. I, get, also, I get your point. Yeah. And also heaped more misery on Melbourne victory and didn't sign for them. What a terrible shame. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that. Anyway, um, yeah, okay. Now, we wanted to get on to stadium stories for the bulk of this segment because let's be honest that's kind of blowing up our Twitter at the moment <laughs> yeah, it is. Why, why I keep having to look at my watch every like 20 seconds at the moment so if you're getting involved in the story thank you and also please just take a break for the next five seconds yeah or even like the next half an hour potentially you never know yeah, yeah. um yeah so we'll start off with Dolphin Stadium stage three renovation got underway last week six and a half million dollar upgrade uh, it's another 3,170 seats to be added at the northern end of the ground. Now, I'm guessing that's the hill away. Yeah, it's, it's the hill. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, 11,000 capacity with uh, 10k seating. That's, you know, another good little boost for a stadium that I think we all love visiting in various capacities. We might be visiting it more often, too, in the next few years. If if that's Because if they've done that, it's got to be for a reason. And, and I think it's a, it's a perfect size for the Roar in the short to medium term. Yeah, it's a play there outside a couple of games at Suncorp, but I think we'll probably see we saw three there this year scheduled. I wouldn't be surprised. Three and a couple, it, it might be up to four at most. I wouldn't go too much more than that because you'll start alienating people on the south side of the river. But the stadium itself is fantastic up there. Yeah, that's it. All right. Um, oh, female change room facilities to be added as well, which to me screams double header. Yeah. Yeah. Or just even more W League games there, I guess, in their own right potentially. Well, or? presumably, I think the way it works at the Does moment cool. is the. W League sides can use the existing change rooms because they are like for the for the event they'd be designated as a female change rooms. Ah, uh, yeah, I see. I see your point. Yeah, but because I, I think that's a big reason why Central Coast doesn't have a W League team at the moment is because their stadium can't actually. They've only got two change rooms at Central Coast Stadium. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was trying to okay. say. Thank you for translating for me, Scott. <laughs> I'm used to translating you by now. Yeah, exactly. it's taken a while, but I finally <laughs> I finally found the transcript which um, describes what you're actually trying to say. There we go. All right, um, and the story that came out from Dave Lewis this afternoon, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, based on comments from uh, Chris Fong, the Raw are looking at a new stadium. 
They are. Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say about this, I do wonder. I think these quotes probably came from a chat he had on Monday with Chris Fong about the Hyundai sponsorship in the A League potentially, potentially changing. But I think on the story itself, this is all really positive. I think it's a sixty million dollar renovation. I think they're looking at. And I think there's been plenty of speculation on where it might be I'm in just the last couple the of hours. Now, I, think, so keep I think it's something like it's in within in the CBD. It's near public transport. It's somewhere not spoken about previously. And there's some oh, legal issues. Legal issues as to why it, they can't mention the name of it. It's not Ballymore, it's yeah. not Perry Park, and it's not Dolphin, because you also went on to say Dolphin is perfect for a second team in Brisbane. I think it might be Albion Park Raceway. Okay. Because that's close to the city, it's near near bus stops. There's some legal issues around the, the ownership of that and the fact that uh, harness racing might be moving on. I read today on Google. Ah. I spent way too much time Googling this this afternoon, James. Don't worry. Okay. But also, it seems to tick a lot of boxes. So would somewhere like Cusack as well. You think about the big busway there, the fact it's pretty close to CBD. It's a, already established as a sports venue with Nissan Arena for the NBL and the netball. I, it, I, if I was going to guess, I'd say it's one of those two. Okay, so from the story, Brisbane Raw's dream of relocating to a purpose-built boutique stadium is edging closer to reality with the club in negotiations over the refit of an existing venue which could be rolled out within three years. Whilst keeping the exact location of the proposed site near the city CBD under wraps because of confidentiality clauses in the proposed public-slash-private partnership, Vice Chairman Chris Fong believes the planned $60 million venue will be the template all A-League clubs should aspire to. An initial agreement is in place with project developers for a 12 to 17,000 capacity stadium, a site with existing viable public, public transport links and infrastructure. Okay, big takeaway from that. What do we call near the city CBD? Because That's the thing, isn't it? What is near CBD? That is a Who's very how far, are we, how far are we drawing the radius out? I'm guessing know? not Redcliffe based on the fact that it's not <laughs> going to be Dolphin, but yeah. Well, yeah, I, I do enjoy the uh, comments in every article we post going, oh, you know, I, I want the Brisbane Raw to play in Brisbane, not Redcliffe, at, while the team is based at Logan, so it would be fitting. <laughs> It's kind of, well, it's kind of like how the New It would York, make sense, wouldn't it? It's kind of like how the New York Jets and Giants are actually based in in and play in New Jersey. Yes. Well, that that's, is actually the first thing that popped into my mind. Uh, but then you've also got... Uh, so my first thought is, okay, let's run through the NPL stadiums that uh, yeah. are viable options, excluding Perry Park, since it sounds like that's a non-starter. For me, the first uh, thing that jumped into my mind was uh, Brisbane City's Corporate Travel Management Stadium. The only problem with that is public transport and presumably the need to improve the existing rail and bus links to get there. It's also hard with that, though, because you've got Holloway Field over the back of it, which is used for the Bandits. So uh, I don't yes. know how much further north you could expand that beyond the current grandstand. So that might make that a little bit more difficult. And as it, I'm sure there will be, you know, Code Wars people saying, hey, make sure that you... No, well, who cares? It's only baseball. But I think that would be a bit of a... I don't think that would necessarily be a good move if you do happen... If you did decide to take over that space. Complete side point. You're, I don't know if Alex is a fan of the Reds, but I know you are, James. A you know, 15 to 17 South Seat Stadium somewhere within the CBD, would that not be attractive to the Reds as well? Yes. Oh, hey, how many yeah. times have I said on this podcast all along where, you know, it makes absolute sense for the Reds and Raw and possibly a second Brisbane NRL team mm. to try and team up because the best way to get a stadium built is show us that it will be used. Now, the A-League will give it, what, 13 match days per season plus... Maybe a couple of preseason games and a couple of postseason FFA. games. You'll probably also see W League games as well there. Like yeah. They yeah. Do FFA it. Cup as well. So mm. say that bumps it up to about twenty for the Raw. Maybe another 
I don't know, could you do an NPL Grand Final? I was just thinking yeah, yeah, that there. Yep. Then you throw in, you know, another six or seven match days for the Reds, possibly uh, Queensland Premier Rugby. Yeah. Uh, that might give us another couple of That probably pushes it up to the sort of limit you're allowed to have at at suburban venues as well. Because I know Suncorp had that issue in 2011 when all the teams made the finals. They were all running out of dates of how many dates you can have at Suncorp for the year. So Mm. those couple of things you mentioned, James, probably push it to the limit anyway. And and also just running off the top of my head as well, you probably could have, like, uh, if the Wallabies happen to play one of those second-tier teams, like, not not Argentina anymore, but if they hosted, say, Fiji or... Sort of games they take to the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Instead of going down there, maybe say, hey, let's play it in Brisbane. Yeah. Look, Mm. there's plenty of dates that are available. I do think that, you know what, unless the Raw are funding this stadium themselves, they're going to have to wind up probably working with someone else. Oh, 100%. And it's what Brisbane's been crying out for for years. Like, it's, you know, and, and, you know, Liam and myself have obviously been championing it as well to maybe help out with. Socceroos stuff as well, um, and and something you guys have no doubt discussed many many a time. So it's it, been it's, great filler for us. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, look, it it would be fantastic to see, and if we all have to partner up with someone, so be it. And uh, it would get plenty of use. I, I don't I don't see the issue, the the ma- the major issues. Yeah. Of clearly, the state government for holding it back for this long. I think actually, with the rumored Olympic bid, that might actually be. What they hold out for, if they get that mm. bid, does end up being successful. That might be the way this stadium ends up happening. Catalyst, so, yeah. so it might be that we don't hear about this again for a certain number of number of months or years until that bid ends up being successful, or otherwise. But if it does, I think that's that would make it almost not a, not a certainty, but it'd make it pretty close if you can get it to that point. The only point the only point about that though is it it's an existing venue that could be rolled out within three years. So does that mean that? Regardless of what happens with the Olympic bid, they might wind up saying, "Hey, if we pitch in, say, fifty percent of the money, yep. then the you know government helps out a little bit with the uh, other fifty percent." Tops it up. Well, most yeah. of the things we've been talking about, it would take about three years to demolish what's currently there and make it up to the standard that would be required for modern professional sport. No matter which one of the ones we've been talking about, most or all of them would take a fair while to demolish what's there and then rebuild it in the way you want. So I think three years would probably be a realistic time frame. I know some stadiums are getting built pretty quickly. I think the Dolphin one, which we were talking about earlier, that's going to be finished by August. That's one grandstand, though. It's not knocking down the whole, the whole whatever's there and then reconverting it. That's going to take a lot longer. Yeah, absolutely. And like just having that purpose-built venue would be excellent for them as well. And I don't know if it will necessarily increase the gate, which is listed in the article as an average of 10,540 so far this season. But... It, it does show that, like, the Roar are having a bit of a rough patch, and they're still pulling 10,000 fans to a game. Some bad weather in those as well. Mm. Some of those days were yeah. pretty Especially rough the with the weather. Game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also with the just oppressive heat for the Melbourne City game as well. That wasn't pleasant. Yes, so, like, it does show that there's an appetite for these sorts of events here. It's just a case of, like, you've got to make sure that they still have a reason to go. Now, the one idea that uh, came out of the blue uh, came from Cameron Atfield in our Twitter comments about Toowong FC just near Auckland train station? That works. I've caught the train there to watch a couple of youth games oh, in the past. That yeah. that would entirely work, provided the actual... I can't remember, I haven't been there in a while. Provided the actual facility is big enough to build something, yeah. The land itself, yeah. That can work. I, and look, I've seen plenty of over 35s games there on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, I just think that would... I think that could actually work out really, really well. Yeah. 
I don't know. I'm just... So, that was a good idea. I think Spencer Park at Newmarket could wind up being the, an option. And another one close to where uh, we used to... Well, two, actually, close to where we used to live. No, where I used to live. Um, there's the e- current East's facility, which... At Langlands Park? Yeah, Langlands Park. That is a phenomenal place already. Oh, that, yeah. That's yeah, right definitely. next to the big busway, isn't it? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. It's right, um, right behind it, I yeah. think it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. if you make it appealing enough to... Like, if you make it easy and accessible enough via public transport then you don't have to worry about how hard it's going to be for people to drive mm. um, and the other suggestion I have as well and this again might be a little bit Code Warsy for some people but what about Giffen Park at Cooparoo? Is that, that the old oh. Brisbane Lions training ground? Yeah. Like, it's getting a lot less use now and obviously you would have to essentially kick off an AFL club. Do they still train there or are they out at I've seen the AFLW side training oh, there okay. but yep, that yep. was again a couple of years ago when I lived in Cooparoo. Mm. So, look, there's a, any number of venues it could be. I think you could happily speculate till the cows come home. And if you want to do that in our Facebook and Twitter comments, go for it. <laughs> join, <laughs> join the queue. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the news I think we have to cover. So we're going to take a break and uh, talk about the NPL opening round coming up this weekend, weather permitting. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, it's time for our first NPL preview segment on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Alex here, and you're listening to us either on podcast or on Football Nation Radio. And either way, we're very happy to have you here. And Alex, um, we should probably actually tell people where we got you from. So why don't you you give people a bit of a fill-in on your... Plugs. All right, no problem. So uh, myself and my good friend uh, Liam Parslow, we run the Queensland Socceroos fans uh, page. You can find us on both Facebook and Twitter. So if you're on Facebook and you want to give us a like and a follow and keep up to uh, date with all the um, garbage we talk about, no, that's not true. It's uh, that's good, what good we talk about, right? Good, yeah. <laughs> no, that's no. They do talk garbage. That's why he's doing so well on here. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook at QLD Socceroos Fans, all as one word and lowercase. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, you can find us uh, with the uh, handle at Socceroos with a capital S, QLD, capital Q, and uh, all one word. So uh, that's where you can find us. We we try and keep up to keep our uh, followers up to date with uh, everything that Socceroos, Matildas, Ollie Roos, um, you name it. National teams related. Yes, that's probably a better way of recapping it. Yeah. That's all good. I've done that introduction for yeah. you quite a few yeah, times. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, um, NPL, let's get started with Saturday night, the Football Foundation Cup, the second ever edition of that. Lions 3, Sunshine Coast Wanderers nil. A brace from Zach Maltby and Jordan Farina added the third four Lions and they got this season off to a pretty good start with uh, Darren Sign claiming a trophy that Warren Moon never could. He did. I actually want to hear what the co-commentator on the game had to say, to be honest with you. Oh, right. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth. I think it was actually overall... It was a fairly reflective scoreline of the game and the way it played out. Lions always looked like they were just, you know, a a step or two ahead of uh, Sunshine Coast, but... They did. Like, Sunshine Coast did give them a few moments of concern and managed to frustrate them quite a lot as well. I think it was interesting the way that they set up, essentially with a back five, trying to just limit what was a very potent Lions attack as well. Uh, but in the end, it was just the better squad on the night uh, sh- shone through with their quality. And 
look, I think Jordan Farina is going to be an excellent pickup for Lions as well. He played out on the left, but he wasn't asked to really score all that many goals. I don't think he's going to be asked to score a goal every week. He acted as a playmaker, and I thought overall he was he was actually really effective in this game and probably would have been close to, if not, my man of the match. Yeah, okay. He was, he was kind of drifting in there from the left, wasn't he, and sort of linking up play. Um, yeah, it's good to see. I mean, Lions just seem to keep marching on, but they just can't quite get that postseason stuff done, can they yet? Well, they didn't last year. They did, well, look, I, so you mentioned Jordan Freire could be a big sign him. I thought Zach Molpe was fantastic. and the, pa- the pace he adds to that front, that's a whole new dimension that they haven't had the last couple of years. McQuarrie's mm. or Jason McQuarrie, he's been tricky and can beat a man in terms of just his individual skill. But he's not quicker neither any other guys have had there. And I think if he can he can bring that to the game on a regular basis, he's going to be a real handful for them this year. And because he was really impressive, the, the goals he scored did come from his pace being able to run in behind. I think they're going to. I think they've, it's a whole new dimension added to Lions. Is the only way you can phrase it. And given the fact they've been pretty much a standout club in the regular season for the last two years mm. it, it really does set them up quite nicely for their for their title defence this year and you can hear our full NPL season preview on our podcast feed that Scott, Adam and myself recorded before Adam went overseas and uh, that's available on our podcast feed and getting replayed on Football Nation Radio at some point this week so oh, there you go. yeah we've got about an hour 45 I think seven interviews and once again apologies to Gold Coast Knights technology hates us it uh, hates me. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, the, we'll just stay, stay with uh, yeah. us as a show. Uh, just quickly, also, FFA Cup draw. Round two of the Brisbane zone. It's getting played 14th to 16th of February. Featuring teams from the Brisbane Premier League, Capital Leagues, Gold Coast Premier League and lower, Sunshine Coast Premier League and lower, and the Toowoomba Premier League. See that I didn't make you read out the whole round two draw right I now. wouldn't have. <laughs> uh, NPL and FQPL clubs enter from round four. So it's the same pathway as 2019. Three clubs from the southeast qualification zone and one from the regional zone will qualify for the national round of 32. And I'm assuming everyone is going to be hoping that a Gold Coast club makes it for an away day. You mean go- I would have thought they'd be wanting Magpies Crusaders to get through in the northern zone, to be honest with you. That too. That too. That was the one that everyone wanted last year and they just happened to draw Gold Coast. What a terrible shame for everybody else, but it's going to be fun again, isn't it? There's, these qualifiers are always... Tremendously fun, and they're unpredictable as well. Some of the results we saw last year were surprising, to say the least, and I hopefully we see plenty more of it this year. I don't know if we're going to get a 31-0 uh, game between Bayside United and Teviot Downs. Hopefully Teviot Downs do well. I hope they go. I'm, I'm, they'll get through the first round, I'm sure. Yeah, it would be nice, and, and I wonder if we'll see uh, strikers back up that cup magic from last season as well. I will say the team who drew the short story is Talabudra Valley, because they've got to go all the way up to Gympie for their oh. cup tie. This is not, a, not when the Ute Masters on, I hope. I hope not. Not for their <laughs> that sake. Could, that could be that it's could end dangerously. Enough, it's a long enough trip as it is without that stuff being thrown in. So they might have drawn the short straw with that one. You'd have to think. All right. Um, and as from a Brisbane Raw perspective, they need to finish in the top 10 in the A-League uh, regular season to qualify for the FFA Cup. So They'd better do that. You'd have to think with the way things are going at the moment, they're looking pretty good yeah. for not only top 10, but I would say top 6. Absolutely. At the mm. moment, it's not a concern. But... This is an MPL uh, preview segment, so we'll get on to the round one fixtures. And we should mention as well, all these games are live-streamed on the Football Queensland Facebook page and YouTube channel, I believe. Oh, they're all streamed on the YouTube channel, and the match of the round, I'm fairly certain, is on the Facebook page. Which was the match of the round this weekend, James? Is it the Sunday game? Uh, I'm pretty sure Olympic and Gold Coast United... Yeah, Olympic and Gold Coast United. I'm pretty sure Simon's calling that. And uh, I believe... 
I believe the other game uh, with commentary is Brisbane Strikers Gold Coast Knights. So I think Jared's got that. Oh, okay. There you so go. that's mm. going to be. So those are the two. Uh, a couple of crackers. Yeah, two feature mm. fixtures on the uh, Football Queensland. That game will be interesting, though, because you think back to. Alex mentioned they were so good in the Cup last year, the mm. Strikers. It's a really good first up test to see exactly how, where they're at after after the off-season against the defending champions. Yeah, because they've had quite a bit of movement, haven't they, in this off-season that, that would most likely change how they're going to play, no doubt. Yeah, well, Strucker's going to need to find a goal scorer for starters, mm, given yeah. Pengeli's departure. That's a massive loss for them, isn't it? I'm actually really looking forward to Palabar against East. I think that's going to be a really, okay. really... like That's going to be a really good game to watch with two sides looking to make their mark, obviously. I spoke to both coaches in the NPL preview, and... You know, I think they're both aware that, you know, they're starting the season behind the eight ball in terms of a finals challenge, but I think you're going to see both of them pulling off a couple of upsets. Possibly. You spoke to Capella and East. I spoke to Olympic and Gold Coast United, and they're extremely confident, both of them, about Olympic are confident they can go one step further than they did the last couple of years. Gold Coast United, on the back of their really solid recruitment, they think they can get into the top four this year, and I think they're a decent chance. If anyone's going to break in, I think it might be Gold Coast United because of what they've added, but as we talked about on the season preview, James, I just can't see anybody breaking in as strong as Gold Coast United are. Yeah, yeah, that's um, I think that's a good point. Um, it, it's good to see them sort of, I guess, um, come back from the ashes, so to speak, um, from from where they were. Obviously, they've got two players from those days now: with Shane Smeltz and yeah, Michael Smeltz. Yeah, yeah, Smeltz right. the weight, so they've yeah. got two players from those wow, days. Wow, that 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 will be very interesting to see what they add to the competition. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them play myself this season. So. Um, yeah, whether Smeltzy's still got the goal-scoring touch, I'm sure he does. So, If you're going down there, I suggest going early. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because Talabudra gets... Venue. Yeah, Talabudra gets really, really cold, as I found out doing an NPLW game there last year. <laughs> Look, that was a phenomenal game. I will happily go back there again, if anyone from Football Queensland is listening. Yeah. I will go back there in a heartbeat, but... I'm just, just gonna have to remember. To, yeah, I'm gonna have to remember to bring a much thicker jacket. And if anyone from Football Queensland is listening to this, send James to Switch Knights. He loves that place. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, well, the time for a segue. <laughs> the F- well, speaking of Switch Knights, the FQPL gets underway on I think the 21st of yes, February. Yes, the draw came out today for the FQPL. So ah, there we go. That was a segue. Yes. And it was announced today as well that the NPLW season I think will be starting on that same day as well after an initial delay. Yeah, I think it's been pushed back a week, isn't it? Yeah, right. just, w- just by yeah. a week. Um, and speaking of things getting pushed back as well, the Matildas uh, World Cup qual- uh, yeah. Olympic qualifiers have yes. been pushed back as well. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, there was... I'm trying to think of actually where to go next from here for the NPL preview. Still hosting the show. I know. I've just, I've just had, a, had a complete <laughs> mental blank here for a second. It's been a very long week, but... Mm. All right, well... We'll go, run through the full fixture list. So, Pen Power, Magpies, Crusaders. It's the debut of uh, Marek Madley up front, I think, for Pen Power by the sounds of it. And the it, new look Magpies under the new coach Tom Ballantyne as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, I think there's going to be... I think there is going to be a lot to look look out for in that one. I think Pen Power, obviously, they're going to try and replicate their fast start to the season uh, last year. And it's just a case of whether or not they're going to be able to. Yeah, well, they were 15 for 15 last year to start the year, and then it went a little bit wrong from the second half of the year. Mm. I think mostly to do with injuries than anything else. Yeah. But again, they're another team who's going to be right up there. And this is a really good first-up game for them at home, where they're traditionally extremely strong, with a with a really good crowd behind them up there at AJ Kelly Park. It'll be a it'll be a great night up there on the peninsula, I'm sure. 
Yeah, and do you think that they've got the depth to um, maybe extend that run or keep do, it actually. going? Mad- yeah. As you mentioned, Mark Madley, he's yeah. joined at the back. Hayden McHenry and Cameron Cristani, and that's two really solid wow. additions back yeah. there. And that was where the injuries were last year at the back. They just lost too many players defensively. I think Christian Serski was the mainstay last year, and he was fantastic for them, but they just a lack of continuity around him just meant that they just mm. had defensive issues at the back end of the season, and those two additions should absolutely help fix that. Yeah, especially in defence, you need that continuity if you if you're going to continue to you know shut teams out, get clean sheets, or even just you know keep teams out to a, a you know to a minimum. All right, um, we've touched on strikers, Gold Coast Knights. We've touched on Capella Bar East, Sunshine Coast against Raw Youth. I actually like Sunshine Coast here. Uh, for pop- yeah. I don't know if it's even necessarily going to be an upset, but if they can take any sort of confidence from that game against Lions. They, like, they should be able to try and get ahead of the Raw Youth here. just depends on how how many of those fringe A-League Raw players are in the squad Saturday night. We'll get to it in the next segment, the fact that Scott Neville's a defender might come into the side. But it depends on how many of those good young players that the Raw have go up to Budrum on Saturday night instead of at Suckle Stadium. That will probably be the decisive factor. If the full Raw Youth side goes up there, I suspect it'll be a really tight game where they might just edge Sunshine Coast, but... Anything less than that, I think the Wanderers are a really good show in that game. Definitely. Mm. Do, and do, do we think, um, you know, Muradovic would go with the youth team? or do you We think might talk about s- that in segment four, Alex. Okay, all right. Jumping the gun, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, gents. All right, uh, Redlands, Brisbane City. Uh, if you do want to go out to Redlands, that's another venue that does get very, very cold very, very early in the season. Um, I'm told they've got a really strong attack this year, Redlands, so... Well, that's Plenty not of goals new. on show might be, the, might be that order of the day at the Cleveland Showgrounds. Definitely, and... Uh, it's called something else now as well. Compass to... Ground or something. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah, and Brisbane City, hopefully they fixed their numbering issue last year and we can actually read what they are. You haven't seen their kit this year. I haven't, It no. looks fantastic. Actually, I haven't seen what numbers are on the back of it, but it looks fantastic. Ooh, if they're yeah, not, well. As long as they're not gold, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. And then the final Saturday game, you've got Lions against Moreton Bay. Uh, yeah, Lions by a lot. Should be. Yeah. Based on what we saw on Saturday night, you'd think so. And uh, another club that has very good kits will be hosting Sunday's game, Olympic. Yes, they will. Good kits and really good food as well. So if you're looking for a night out with a bit of food on the end of it as well... Actually, that's most NPL ground. (laughs) Well, I think Olympic do take the gold medal in terms of the best food in the NPL. So that's recently at home Sunday night. And I think they'll be a really good game, as we talked about earlier, with Gold Coast United. It'll be a good test for both of them, but a, a great place to go. Definitely. All right. That's our NPL Round 1 preview. We'll be back after this to talk about the Raw's home game against Adelaide United on Saturday. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back soon. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And it's the fourth and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here on podcast or Football Nation Radio. It's James Scott and Alex here with you on this Damp Wednesday evening, I think. Finally, after teasing rain all day, we're very glad. It finally to worked out what it wanted to do. The weather, didn't it? Yeah. And as we yeah. joked about off-air, James, the NPL starts this weekend. The Roar are at home, so it's absolutely going to pour down from about Thursday night onwards through Monday morning. Very much looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a fun trip to Suncorp Stadium on Saturday night for the second edition of the Aloisi's Derby for the season. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it officially now? <laughs> yeah. Or could we call it the Mork Derby now? I'm going with the Aloisi's derby. But I'm going to go like with the, the Blyberg v. Cosmina derby, personally. I'm keeping it original. The 
Bly uh, Mina derby? If that's what you want to refer to it as, that's Ooh. fine by me. They uh, had some great stats on the sidelines back in the day. That they did. Either way, Brisbane Raw, Adelaide United, Saturday 6.30pm at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, the first meeting this year was while I was in Fiji, but apparently Adelaide won 1-0 on the back of a Riley McGree goal. It wasn't the greatest of games from memory, but it was 1-0 to Adelaide from your favourite player, Riley McGree. Oh, well, he is your favourite player. He, he should be he, happy. He certainly banged the ball into the back of the net. Hey, Riley McGree gave us angry Thomas Christensen, so there is some good to Didn't it. he also give us Thomas Christensen the goalkeeper? Technically, wasn't it he who went down with Theo? Oh, no, it was, one, one, of, it was one of the McGowans. Okay. Because, like, okay. It, it, and, you know, to the McGowans' credit, I think it was Dylan. Okay. Um, he actually... He posted a photo later that night after that game and did actually have a broken nose. So, In my defence, there's been that many red cards in Brisbane v Adelaide fixtures, it is hard to keep up on, yeah. on which one is which. So true. That is yes. so true. No arguments about that. Either way, it does mean that there has been plenty of entertainment in this fixture, but I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of goals uh, in this one on Saturday night. I think, it's, I think this is going to follow the same sort of script that we've seen a lot of recent uh, yeah. Raw games follow, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be scrappy. And I think it might be a case of first goal wins. I definitely think that could very well be the case. You're right about raw games of late. They have shown more enterprise, but in general, they've been so strong defensively, it's really hard for any for any game they're involved in to have multiple goals. I think really the Sydney FC game is the only one where there were an absolute stack of goals. Everything else has been one or two goals at most. So I think you might be right about that, James. And the way the Raw have gone at home of late in these sort of games, they've been solid defensively. And they've capitalised on one of their few chances. Think back to the last time game, it was Dylan Wenzel Halls who popped up with the moment of magic that, that won the game. It might be something very similar again on Saturday night, Alex. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that um, 100%. I think um, as well, uh, you know, I, I watched Adelaide and Melbourne City last week and it was, I think, two goals from corners uh, that they scored and then it was... It was a long-range strike, I think, for that third goal. Yeah, for the third, yeah, exactly. And it was all in the first half and the second half, it just the, the game didn't really go anywhere. Melbourne City didn't look like taking Adelaide on. Adelaide were comfortable, obviously, if their two-goal win... Um, a two-goal lead, sorry. So, um, And I think, too, they're still trying to find their feet attacking in, in, in an attacking sense, Adelaide. Um, particularly Blackwood. I think he might take a bit of confidence from the goal he scored okay. last weekend, but um, whether that's going to be enough to uh, break down this uh, Brisbane Raw defence is probably another story. You mentioned corners. Raw have not conceded a goal from a corner all season long, and they've been quite strong on them on their own. So that might be a thing that both sides look to, is who can get the best of the set pieces. They've both got some really tall players. You mentioned George Blackwood. The Raw have got Tom Aldred, amongst others, who are quite tall. Scott Neville's been a real threat in the air, but he's unfortunately not going to play. But in general, they've been really good on set pieces, so that could be an interesting, interesting game within the game, if you like. Well, you mentioned Scott Neville. How do you replace him in this one? I think it's going to be Daniel Bowles. So do I. I've mm. toyed around with many different options. I think it will be Daniel Bowles. He's been the reliable understudy, and I think Jake McGing might be the man to come onto the bench in his place. If that's the case, like to Kai True and Aaron Reed and even Isaac Powell might play in that Sunset Coast game, which you were which talking about in the last segment. Yes. So if that's the case, that's all good for the Raw youth team. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's Bowles in from the start and Jake McGing in off the bench but I think McGing might actually be a better fit than Bowles in this sense because he's quite similar to Scott Neville you think about he can play centre back play right back right wing so it's more mm. more of a natural like for like but I do think it will be Daniel Bowles who's been pretty good this year despite the fact he had a bit of a late start to the season through injury 
I do also wonder, I guess, going back to that point where we were talking about uh, the, the duel on the corners potentially happening. Yep. Um, Bowles is another good option, isn't he, for that? Sorry? Bowles is another good option Yeah, for that. exactly. He's a tall timber there. Um, but in saying that too, does that sort of throw out the organisation at set pieces now that you bring a, a, another player into that defence? Um, you know, going back to the point I made also about Neville giving the, the boys a spray yep. as well. Uh, that could change the dynamic in that back three or back five, however you want to call it. So that could potentially be a point that Adelaide look to attack. So whoever's coming in there, whether it be Bowles or McGing or uh, someone else reading, um, they've got to really stay sharp and, and, and be guided by the yep. likes of Aldred and Gillespie. And, uh, yeah, and I've said it before, I've said it here. Gillespie, actually, I think he's really starting to come into his own now this season. He was... Let's be honest, well below par to start off uh, his rule career, but it seems like he's finally learning how to really attack the league as, uh, from his yeah. uh, left centre-back position. You beat me to that, because he's been really impressive over the last four to six weeks. I think it's, again, reason players do take a little while to get used to, not just the league, but the grounds, as everyone keeps saying, the grounds are harder here in Australia than in the UK, and he might have had to take a bit of time to adapt to that, but I think he's been really impressive in the last... Again, the last four to six weeks, he's been he's been a, a real solid contributor at the back end. He's, I don't think he's missed a game yet, has he? In any competition, he's been again a mainstay. No, he is starting to make my preseason prediction of him uh, being replaced by Aaron Reed and look a little bit foolish. But hey, that's one I'm happy. We, we all made ridiculous predictions yeah. that day. It's yeah. not just you. Yeah. And I am honestly happy to be uh, wrong on that one. I'll I'll, I'll give that uh, from the outset. The other thing that I'm curious about also is how the Raw approach this in attack. As you mentioned, you know, there's quite a bit of tall timber there for Adelaide, so do you maybe look to try and counter counter it with a little bit of speed up front? And it, I'm going to guess Wenzel Halls winds up getting a start. Again, he's started every game since he scored that goal, and he and McDonald have done quite well. I, I would be surprised if there's any more than one change to the Raw side. I think that front third, we talked about maybe a bit of a lack of creativity, but there's creative enough players in there to help alleviate that problem I wouldn't be surprised if it's only the one change at the back because the front third to your point earlier in segment one Alex is clicking a lot better than it was before that so I, I wouldn't change too much up there I think the only change you might actually want to consider is especially if the weather is going to be a little bit uh, rough shall we say where, wet yeah wet you're thinking of Marty Holloway yes mm. I think that might be yeah, it that, could be a game for him you're right you're, mm. it could be one of those games where they just say alright look we want to play along the deck but the conditions don't really suit that. So we've got to, we've got to go route one. Yeah, for lack of a better example, you remember um, Qatar 2008 at Suncorp Stadium after that sun, after that storm that they had, oh. and I, apparently like Pim for Big uh, in the delay just said, "Screw it, it's going to be miserable. Like it's not gonna, it's not going to be a game to have the ball on the ground. Mm. Just lob it into Kennedy every time you can, mm. and they did. And they it worked. Won. Yeah. Mm. So. Look, that that's probably a decision that's going to have to be made, at, you know, up to an hour before kickoff. But yeah. I think there is a lot that they're going to have to take into consideration here. And then also, like, you got to remember, you know, I keep saying this every single week, but, you know, you do have that uh, change that you can bring on there then as well, where if you're battering them with uh, Holloway, you then bring on Wenzel Halls and or Miradovic, mm-hmm. and they've got that pace to really get in behind there and say, all right, mm-hmm. you know... I've been getting run over now. I'm getting run around. Yeah, get or, the second ball too from. Or the other way around, where the big defenders have been chasing the likes of Wenzel Halls and or Muradovic around, and then you know they say, "Oh God, now I've got to deal with you know this big horse running at me." And 
He does, he does look a little bit yeah. like a horse when he runs around and, yeah, you know, gallops and jumps. Yeah, he a horse-like gait, yeah. And, hey, look, if it, it, we're still waiting for him to probably have that Gillespie light bulb moment, mm. but this could be an opportunity for him to do that. It could be. And we've talked about this before. The Roar are really lucky to have so many different types of strikers. They've got tall. I've got the tall striker, Marty Holloway. They've got pace with Wenzel Halls, and they've got the... Um, the ability to unlock defensive it's like Inman playing up front so they've got a lot of different and I McDonald, don't want to see Inman up no, front no neither they've got the option of him and McDonald who can do that so they've got plenty of different options in that front third. probably something that Robbie Fowler's used to from being in in the UK you think about mm. the sorts of what the Premier League teams sort of do they all have they've got different types of strikers they don't have four guys who are the same they've got different types of attributes so I think that's something he's used to it's something he's brought to the raw and something they could they have benefited from over the course of the season and to your point James if the weather is bad on Saturday night they could benefit from it again on Saturday as well because to have a Marty Holloway as a, as a plan B whether as a start or off the bench it is a luxury that nobody else has I can't think of another really big strong target man in the A-League I know you mentioned Blackwood earlier mm, but he doesn't, but really, he doesn't, not, doesn't play that role no, that's the thing so he, it's he a plays unique, a bit deeper really it's a unique thing down. the Raw have got that they can mm. mix it up that well definitely yeah. alright well I think that might actually be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. So you Alec, should mention if we think Mork's going to play. Oh, he has to play, right? Oh, surely. Yeah, that's. I'll, he's surely got to play. In a silly, I want to throw in a silly suggestion. I reckon he's going to pop up with a goal or an assist in this one. I'd rather not. I know, but it, it's just got one of those ones. That, I can see uh, your point on that. It does yeah, have that kind of feeling. Little, he's got a little knife twirl in him. Old, Steve, old Morky, I reckon. I reckon he's either going to get a goal or a red card, actually. <laughs> that's probably that's probably more accurate. I didn't. Why did the red card not come into my thinking? You could say oh, the same yeah. when Roy O'Donovan returns in a few weeks with Newcastle as well. Yeah. Both, goal and a red card is similar for both of them. That's yeah. right. Okay, uh, Alex, thank you very much for coming on tonight. We do appreciate that. Thank you uh, for having me, gents. You can get on uh, Queensland Socceroos fans on Twitter, at SocceroosQLD, or just search for Queensland Socceroos fans on Facebook. Thank you, Scott. You'll be back next week? I hope so. No, well, I haven't planned to replace you yet. The window's closed for me, luckily. Yeah. That's all right. We'll, we'll see if we we've, we've got Adam out on loan, so that's a good start, all right? We can't, you can't get rid of all the Deadwood in one window. Trust me, there, I know. There's no mutual terminations being done here. <laughs> no, it's definitely not mutual. <laughs> <laughs> Very one-sided. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, yeah, get out. Enjoy the football this weekend, whether it's A-League or NPL, and... We'll be back next weekend to discuss it all in, well, I don't want to say great detail, but I'd like to say adequate detail. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Get out to the football and enjoy it this weekend. We'll talk to you then.